Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman time. Y'all must have forgot why we the best. People say the punches weren't really necessary. What do you mean why were they not necessary? Because he was already knocked out at that point. But it, the referee hadn't pulled me off. And my job is to hit somebody till the referee pulls me off. So to so those people, I would say maybe don't watch him and they go back to soccer. You know, I made history here tonight. I said on a record. It's my name in history one more time. WFAN and Odyssey.com. You guys caught me under under a bad bad time, but you know what I'm saying? The rock's cool. I like ballers. I like ballers. You know what I'm saying? But he picked the wrong side. He picked another side, so he could get it too. He could get his ass whipped too. Straight up. With all due respect, he could get it too. I definitely wanna defend my 145 about. And let's see, I'm gonna talk to Dana. Dana, tomorrow I'm gonna call you. We're gonna have a talk. I love you, boy. Here's your fight fan host, Pete Hoffman. This is the fight fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. Follow me at the Hoff WFAN, at the fight fan WFAN on Twitter. All of the social media is at the fight fan with Pete Hoffman. Facebook, Instagram, WFAN.com, and the Odyssey app. You could also find me this weekend, this Sunday, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Yes, I know it's a little bit early, but on WFAN, WFAN.com, that's 101.9 FM, 660 a.m. You can find me, and I guarantee you at some point in time, UFC 262 will come into play. So just uh, listen to me this Sunday, and we'll you can call in, chime in, talk about it, and follow me on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. Um, this weekend ufc 262 huge fight card i bring in phoenix carnival she has been in the ma world for quite some time fantastic listen definitely check that out in a little bit uh we talk everything ufc 262 some fights that she wants to see some things that she's looking forward to just a bunch of uh, of great mma conversation um just live conversation at times too which is awesome again this week ufc 262 is the thing it is the return of Tony Ferguson as he takes on Benil Dariush. Five five round co main event for not a title. So that's kind of crazy. That's that's cool. I'd like to see those. You know, it reminds you of you know the the 
the Conor McGregor Nate Diaz days where they headlined for five rounds. But this is this is a co-main for five rounds. So that's that's kind of awesome. And then you have Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira. Very interesting. These two, Charles Oliveira, the guy who, in this lightweight division, you know, you don't always, you never always, you didn't always hear about him. But he's made a name just because of who he's beaten, and he's taken the long road there. And now he takes on Michael Chandler, who, in the UFC world, is new, but not for the MMA world. A former champion. In Bellator. And now he's up there for the lightweight belt versus Charles Oliveira. So it's going to be very fun. It's going to be an awesome card. A lot of guests that we've heard on the show will be on this card, actually. Andrea Lee, uh, Shane Burgos, Gina Mazzani will be on the card. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, we will, again, as always, just follow me after uh, on, on Saturday. We'll put some picks out, and you can just check out who I like and who some other people like. And we'll put that out before the card starts. All right, let's get to it. Phoenix Carnival, everybody. This is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman, and huge, huge event going on this weekend, UFC 262. And who better to bring in than Phoenix Carnival? Uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you for hopping on. Uh, how you doing? How how you holding up? I'm good. I'm good. It's just, it's. I'm in New York, so it's nice that we're getting back to life a little, a little bit. Yes, no masks. How do you feel about that? Oh, man, I'm so thrilled. It's like now it was fun when people look like ninjas for a while and and then it got old real quick. How um where where do you live by the way in the city? What what part you in the city? You were outskirts where are you what area? I just moved uh to New Jersey but super quick into Manhattan, but I've lived in every borough except the Bronx, which is weird because I'm Puerto Rican. You would think I had started there. The boogie down? I mean, come on. That's that, See, that's where my family's from. We, we we come from the Bronx, Morris Park. I have some people from Frog's Neck. That's where you, that's, 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 I'm, I'm also Italian too. So that's what I think that's like a, a nice Italian area over there. Absolutely. I'm half and half. I'm half Puerto Rican, half Italian. There you go. I am 75% Italian, but you would never know by the last name. And uh, the German just p- kind of pops out, but it is what it is. <laughs> so um, UFC 262, yes. the second live event with a massive crowd. We saw the presser yesterday, stuff like that. You know, you being so close to events in the past um, and you've been watching this whole time where a pandemic has hit and we haven't had any fans in the crowd. How have you seen in the first pay-per-view event just the, the impact of the fans? So there's a there's a positive and a negative to everything, right? So for the commentators, because I've been a commentator as well, there's something cool about almost not having fans there in a way because you're you're extremely zoned in and it becomes about telling the story with your voice. But the negative part of that is there's a there's a fan energy, especially with MMA fans. We're so diehard. You know, there's just such a, a entertainment value to it. So. I think it's good and bad. If you got to fight without the fans, you learned that super honed in experience. If you're one of those people that thrives off the energy in the crowd, you get a different experience too. Like for me, when I fought, and I I only fought amateur, I think I performed better when there was a crowd because that entertainer in me, you know, was just like, was fueled by that energy. So it, it is very different. But I'll tell you that first big one back, 261, is one of the greatest we've ever had. So maybe there's a thing there. <laughs> maybe that's the thing. I, I have to say, like I, I said it all the time, I was okay watching fights without fans because mm-hmm. I just was so 
So I was just fiending for it. But as soon as you you bring the fans back, the energy that was brought back, it was it was incredible. It was an amazing amount of fights, and it was like, is it because the we were so suppressed with no fans that that kind of boosted it up that much, or was it really just the fights were that good? I think it's a combination of the two. So one of the cool things about when there wasn't fans there, and you know, I, I'm a sports nerd as far as MMA and martial arts. So hearing the coaches clearly, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there was just something so cool about that. And then also now when you watch it with fans, you're like, oh, this is a party. You know, you see the people watching, you see the energy, they cut to the crowd. You, you get that whole ambiance and feel. So there's, there's pluses and minuses to both elements. So, but like for you, someone who's been so close to like, I've, I've sat ringside a couple of times, but, but not as much you work there. It's a different feel, obviously when you work and when you're fighting all that other stuff, when you're just relaxing, you Phoenix, mm-hmm. where would you, where, where is the best spot? Where, where would you, what would you prefer the perfect scenario for you to watch a fight? Where would it be? Um, definitely not a bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Unless like it's me and all my friends, right? Like me and Dean Thomas are going to develop some really funny stuff about watching fights with friends. But um, it's, I think like on my couch or ringside. Right. The couch is also, but now let me ask you a question though. If you're on the couch, because ringside is different. Obviously you have everyone around you, mm-hmm. but on the couch, is it just you? Is it, do you have anybody else over? Do you want to be Very in your zone? Specific people that are allowed to watch fights with me. Okay. Very specific people. My fiance and the dog, they qualify. We're probably, <laughs> he doesn't annoy me during fights. But there are definitely people I don't like to watch fights with. Yeah, I, I, I've had those moments before because obviously you, you're tight with a lot of fighters. So you build relationships with them. So things can go really well. Things can go really bad. And I've been on those bad ends where I'm like, like, for example, I tell the story all the time. But like Francis Ngannou, we met him before. I've interviewed him a, a few times. He's held my son in his hand. You know, he yeah, it was awesome. He's just a yeah. nice, sweet guy. Yeah. When he beat Stipe Miocic. Uh, my wife was like, yeah, get him. Yet, meanwhile, I have plenty of friends who are, are friends with Steve Miocic. So I was like on the other end of like I, that, that final shot that came down. I was like, oh, I can't I can't take that right now. I can't feel I, I'm feeling a lot of hurt right now in my soul. Yeah, I, there's a OK, so I'll tell you about an incident. So for the most part, when I'm watching it in public with people, because of my job and, you know, people know me from different things that I've been on, like either MMA fighting or UFC unfiltered, I kind of keep to myself. When I'm home, I get to actually be a fan. So I'll start, like, I'll start yelling at Max Holloway. I love Max Holloway, by the way. And then the most unprofessional moment recently was when, (laughs) like, I could never do this in public. So (laughs) Dustin Poirier beats Conor McGregor. I jumped, ran around the living room, kissed the television. <laughs> my, my fiance was like, you know, you broed out. Like you would have chest bumped somebody if they were close to you. I'm like, I know, can't really do that, you know, at work or anything. So there are moments when, you know, it's nice to be alone because you get to have that ultimate fan. You know, I have those Joe Rogan, Daniel Cormier reaction moments, you know, <laughs> definitely. And that was one of them. Your eyes are bugging out like, oh, my God. Oh, um. It was crazy. <laughs> I, I had, for the Conor McGregor-Poye fight, I was uh, trying to do like a live broadcast. It was the first time I tried to do that. And I was like, that that's the last time. But I had like 
my three kids were upstairs, plus two of my nieces were over, plus my wife was upstairs. And I'm like, I don't have a huge house, but I'm like, just trying to keep it down. I don't yeah. have a studio set up yet. So I'm like, just trying to like, you know, keep it chill. And then all of a sudden when it happened, I started screaming like a lunatic. And it was like, but it was like a soft scream. Yeah, and yeah. it sounded so awkward. I was like high pitch. I'm like, that was not what I needed to do right now. But uh, it was it was a very it was very interesting. But again, like the, the feelings you get as like a fan, as you build build these relationships, it's it's surreal. I've actually spoken to a bunch of athletes that say they've literally said, but I've felt more nervous going into a title fight that I have somebody that I know than playing game seven of a World Series. Understandable. Yeah, it's 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 a cra it's a crazy thing. Yeah. Um, listen, Phoenix. You're you've been doing MMA for a long time. You've been in the media for a long time. Give me some of your your all time favorite moments. If like some of the favorite people you worked with, obviously Dean Thomas. Who, who's some of the favorite people that you've worked with? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, I didn't come from a journalism background or anything like that. I, I was an actor first, and uh, and I wound up you know studying martial arts. So I I started doing commentary and things like that, and. And I, I was on ESPN on some show and, and uh, Dana was like, hey, we'll give you press access, give it a try. So it really happened like that. So I had to learn as I go. You know, I, I really had a it was like I got a, I got a, a championship shot when I was, you know, maybe a blue belt. Like that's that's kind of how it happened for me. So in the beginning, everything was so new and interesting and fighters are so freaking nice and 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 um the ufc people were really great to me too because I, they saw that i love the sport and that i was really hungry and one of the most amazing things was i was such a big fan of anderson silva he was the only person that i i would get super starstruck over mm -hmm. so i said to myself you know coming with an acting background and a comedy background i'm not going to do this interview as a professional uh interviewer i'm going to do this interview like almost parodying Chris Farley when he used to interview people on SNL. So I, I tell Ed Soros, I'm like, listen, I'm going to do this thing where I'm really nervous around Anderson because I was really nervous around Anderson. <laughs> so I they told Anderson I was going to do it. So the whole interview, I'm like, Rem remember that time that you, you kicked Vitor in the face? That was awesome. <laughs> and if you remember that Chris Farley skit, it was just like, oh, that. yeah. So, it, you know, I always, because of that background, I never wanted to be like this sort of serious journalist, even though I can do that. I always enjoyed like having more fun with the athletes and 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 uh, being one of the boys in, in, a, in a way, so to speak, where we could just sit and have a conversation and nerd out over things. And um, so I would do that. But then I would also have that other side where it was like a serious interview and it and people were really receptive, especially when they know that you also train. Mm. They, they, they talk to you differently. You know, yeah. I remember uh, having such a great relationship with Frankie Edgar because Frankie saw me box. And ever since then, you know, it was just so much easier to talk to him. And so I think that that's a big part of it is just that for the most part, and I make community people, people don't realize like fighters are really nice, you yes. know, they're really nice. And, and, uh, and, and they're open because they, there's, just a code of ethics sort of that happens with martial arts or even sports athletes in general because of how hard you have to work. So I've had like great moments with Matt Serra and, you know, Pat Militage and, and, you know, even Ronda Rousey, actually, she really liked me, which was nice because she, she doesn't really like a lot of the media. Anybody. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, 
I think it's you reproach people with respect and they notice that. I've noticed from the years of, of just speaking to fighters, you know, and compared to other athletes, and it's not to knock other athletes, but the reality is that it, there's so much that goes into MMA. It's not just boxing. It's not just jujitsu. There's so many. It's a huge chess piece that we're all trying to figure out. And I, I don't want to say that they're all brilliant, but it comes across that way. So when they when I do speak to them, it's like, oh my god, you guys are you're not the tip, the the quintessential athlete where it's like, oh, I'm just a chooch and I'm you know yeah. I'm, I can tackle somebody. No, like there there's legitimate intellectual fighters and athletes in this sport that that you don't really see in other sports, and it they 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 do it. There's like this this. Everyone thinks they're they're just brutes. They're just like these idiots, and it's yeah, it's the so exact opposite. True. Yeah, so so not true. A lot of these, especially, uh, you know, a lot of these guys that come from the background of wrestling and, and women too. And I say guys, I mean everybody. But um, they they college educated. They they're they're really interesting people. I mean, I, I could talk to Daniel Cormier for hours every time we get a chance to interview him. I always have like fifty more questions, and they're like, Phoenix, we got to go. I'm like, ah. There's just really, it's just really interesting. Just ten more minutes, just ten more minutes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that's how it goes. But listen, but that's that's what that's one of the things I like to ask my guests too. Like, how did you get into training? How did you get into mixed martial arts? Like, like clearly, like you've been, you're an actress, you have all these things, but like, why mixed martial arts? Because that's not a, a typical thing for 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 everyone, you know. Well, the the truth was. I got into martial arts later in life in my 20s, but I wanted to always wanted to study. I thought I knew it because I watched so many Kung Fu movies and I would try to like copy it. So a lot of it, a lot of it started because of my absolute love for like comic books and pop culture and Bruce Lee. Mm. So I didn't want to look like the girls from Vogue magazine. You know, I wanted to look like one of the X-Men. And uh, and they were tougher. They could fight, but they were still feminine, which was a big deal for me, too. And I just, when I saw Terminator 2 and I saw Linda Hamilton being able to like kick ass with the boys, you know, I knew that someday I was going to train. And I had started with traditional karate because MMA wasn't big yet. And from karate, I went to Muay Thai and, and Western boxing. And then, then the ultimate fighter hit. Like I was watching MMA when it was like, you would have to have like a, a de-scrambler or a mm -hmm. hot box called at the time. So I would see some of the pay-per-view events, but it wasn't until the ultimate fighter where I could watch it all the time. And I would, I would do some karate forms. And as beautiful as it was, I'm like, I'm gonna get my ass kicked. Like I need <laughs> to really learn. So I would learn a little jujitsu here and there. And again, I, I didn't ever study jujitsu uh, like consistently because somebody ripped my hip open <laughs> during a training session. Mm -hmm. But I would always take black belts to the side and like show me this and show me that. So when I would do commentary or when I would interview people, I knew the hell I was talking about. You're not gonna be like, what was that? I said, okay, that's De La Hiva guard. Okay, that's that's butterfly guard. So I studied it enough to have open eyes. And uh, so I studied a little bit of everything. I mean, I've even tried Eskrima, Wing Chun. I just, I just love martial arts. There's so much history and science and sports science that go along with it. It's, it fascinates me. All of it fascinates me. I, I haven't trained enough. That's my biggest issue. I mean, I, this life takes over and I just, I've trained on and off a couple of different times. <laughs> And when I, when I did, I mean, I, I, I pepper the, the senseis with questions and there's always like nowadays, I mean, forget about it. There's all different forms. There's all different styles and stuff like that. 
but it's endless. There's always something to learn, which I love about that. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, who you, you mentioned X Men? Who's your favorite character, by the way? Uh, Wolverine. Yeah, um, he's badass. You know, yeah, Wolverine is my favorite because he's always had he. You know, it's the ninja, the samurai. He's got all these stories in Japan. So Wolverine's my favorite. But I love. I really like so many of the X. I like the classic team. You know, right. Crawler, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Storm. I, I love all of them. Rogue. Rogue. Is she is she class? Yeah. She's one of the classic ones. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like the movies at all? No. Meh. Mm. <laughs> Days of Futures Past was dope. They, they were trying to be like, sorry for the other shit we did. <laughs> um, sorry if I can't curse. You can say whatever the hell you want. It's Marvel fun. Universe brings it out in me. Um, <laughs> and I'm such a big comic book nerd, pop culture nerd, but uh, yeah, they were okay. I'm just I'm hoping that now they're with Marvel, we'll, we'll we'll get a little better version of them. But I, Hugh Jackman, he did he did his thing. He did his thing. no. I listen. I I like the X Men. Are you more DC or Marvel? Like, is it that, that there's a big there's a big difference there? Way more Marvel, really? and it's just because I grew up on it. I'm sure DC is cool. I love Batman, but I just I'm just way more Marvel. Who's your favorite Batman? Uh, who's my favorite Batman? I mean, I go with the classic Michael Keaton, even though the Christian Bale ones were really good. They were so badass, right? I think the story, the Christopher Nolan's shot storyline, was really good. He did a really good job. But yeah, yeah I think sure. if it's not him, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be Michael Keaton. Even though you see, was it James Patterson is gonna be the new guy? Yeah, you know, I was all about it, giving him a shot, right? Because like sometimes you we um. As an actor, sometimes people pigeonhole us. They don't realize what we can do. So I was like, I'm going to give him a shot. And then he said he wasn't going to train. And then it was like, all right, mm -hmm. you know what? Now I don't respect you. <laughs> that sucks. And and I'll just say it from this perspective. Like, um, there's a lot of similarities between acting and fighting. Uh, like, a lot. And there's even a Bruce Lee quote. He says, a good fight is like a small play, but played seriously. So a lot of similarities between acting and fighting. And I know, and my, my fiance is a professional stuntman. So I know that there's several things the human body can't do and learn overnight. And that's why you have stunt people because they specialize in those things and you don't want to hurt yourself. Right. right. But for the most part to get into a character, you have to get into your body. So if you want to embody a person, you should train it at least a little bit because that's also part of the emotional thing. Like Matt Damon, had talked about playing born when he was going to be born, he trained uh, he was trained by Jeff Amato. Jeff Amato was the was the fight coordinator on that, and he he it changed the way he moved around as he moved into the character because that doing that physicality helped him really be Jason Bourne. So for Patterson to say that he's not going to train at least a little bit, it was just like then you're not Batman. Like how you're just going to do the lines? You yeah. Know? yeah, you're just an actor. You're just you're not really. Yeah, that's kind of that, that's disappointing because I saw him in Tenant. Yeah. Did you see Tenant at yes, all? Yes, I did. And that like gave me like a new perspective. Like, okay, he might actually do okay. He was actually so. decent, but clearly he needs a stunt double. Clearly, he's not doing the fight scenes. No, you know what I mean. And I get that because if you're if you're he's not a big guy. He's kind of a frailer guy. He's not going to be able to. But at least, at least try it a couple of times so that you can feel what Bruce Wayne feels to, mm. to some extent. I mean, like I know it's acting, but it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I was going to play an airline, if I was going to play a pilot, I'm obviously not going to fly a plane. I get that. But you want to be in the cockpit and know where the buttons are so that you, you, you understand, you know, enough. 
You want to at least know how to turn a freaking thing on if, if possible, right? Yeah, like just feel it. Just be able to get that sense memory as, as we talk about as actors. But, there, you know, I think that do as much as you can do as an actor without getting hurt. And, you know, this is me making assumptions based off of an article. This might be not true at all. He might be training his ass off and I don't know what I'm talking about. But I do believe that there's a certain level of physicality that you should perform as an actor because that's part of your character. Well, I like the Matt Damon thing. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, another actor who's huge into Mr. Martial Arts. I, I had no idea until I talked to him that he had his own uh, dojo. Like he he had his own. He trained. He did all that stuff, and that that to me is like incredible. Because I'm like, I love watching his films. I like seeing stuff, but I I don't really ever dive into the behind the scenes stuff. So when you do know somebody that's like really that into it, it makes the film that much better. That's why I love watching films that are in New York City. Like, I don't care. It doesn't make a difference what the hell movie it is. It could be Cloverfield, for crying out loud. Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm watching a movie that's based in New York City, I'm like, oh, I know exactly where that happened. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, Phoenix, let's get into UFC 262. Because I, I there's, a again, the, the last pay-per-view was incredible. How can this one match up to that? Well, it can. It, 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 it really can. Even, no, you don't think so already? You're shaking your head. I don't think so. But, but but look, I could totally be wrong. It's just that, you know, I, I guess I still have a hangover from that that event, which was so good. All right. Well, let's see. Is there any fight on the undercard that really strikes to you that you're really interested in? On the undercard? Yeah. Um, well, I know Angela Lee is fighting uh, Valentina's sister. Antonina. Yeah. Shevchenko. Shevchenko. So that's interesting because I really like Angela Lee and, um, you know, she's on a three fight skid. So I'm hoping that that fire in her is there and just to see what Antonina like has to, to show because Valentina is such an absolute beast and they're, they're just such a talented duo. I think that could be under the radar. I think it could be a fun fight. Well, I look at Angela Lee because it's funny I, and I've spoken to her plenty of times and I've always told her this. When I see her fight, she reminds me of like a female Cowboy Cerrone. Like there's something about her that has that vibe to her. And, you know, Cowboys had his ups and downs too. But like I, I feel like she's like a couple steps away from really – if there's someone that can compete against Valentina, there's not – which there aren't that many. I feel like Angela Lee could at least put up an actual fight. Is that – am I off with that? No, I, I think I – think, um... She's really super talented. She's older, isn't she? I don't know what her age. She's, I think she's like thirty-two. Okay, I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, she's around so, that. Yeah, thirty-two. I mean, it, it, it. She's just a fun fighter. Either way, you know. It, I I really enjoy the 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 women's bouts. They always like come to show up, and you just see the evolution of women in, in mixed martial arts. So I'm looking forward to that fight. In sports in general, too, because I always say this to everybody. You know, we, you know, I work at WFAN. So it's a sports talk radio station. We talk Mets, Yankees, Jets, Giants, Knicks, Nets, Rangers, hockey. We don't really talk a lot of MMA, which I'm pushing. That's all I do is push. But there's not a lot of females that we talk about because it just, it just doesn't hit our radar because there's so many other things to talk about. But MMA is the one. UFC is the one that literally has put women on the map and that not, not whether none of whether the pay is equal or not i can't tell you but but the fact that they headline cards constantly and they they do great at it i mean that's even whether or not dana white wanted to do it he did it and it was a good job by him 
But if you ask him about it now, he's like, I'm so glad that I changed my mind and I was 100% wrong. And he'll, and he'll like say it outward openly. You know, if you look at the difference between MMA and boxing and how women are treated in MMA versus boxing, it's beautiful. I mean, I've even, in, since I started, the way people talk about women's fights has completely changed. It used to be like, oh, she's hot, she's this or she's that. Now it's like, oh my God, that girl has incredible stand-up. Like people, for, people are just talking about the talent of the fighters now. You could hear it. I was in a bar for for Whaley and Joanna Jacek, and people could not freaking wait for that fight. And it wasn't because they were like, oh, those girls are so hot. It was just like, oh, they're so good. And it was just, it was amazing. And I've really seen that shift because it wasn't like that when I first started. No, and, and it really has shifted. And, and um, it's something that I've grown to, grown to appreciate because you see you, the talent has risen. You know, it's not just the Ronda Rousey's. It's, it's not just the Amanda Nunes. It's, it's, it's everybody. Everyone's raised the game. Now, why do you think, though, that MMA has been able to, to at least compete in that way with, with females and the females can be on that level. What, 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 who is it one fight in particular? Is there something else you could you draw back to? I think it's just that the sport is so young and because it's young, everybody's come up together. And once we were given an opportunity, the doors continue to con keep opening. There's more training partners for women's now. There's more women in the gym in general. So that makes like a tremendous difference. And and uh, it just gets better and better. And now that there's there seem to be a market for it, you know, that's really what it comes down to, right? Is there a market for something or not? And I think that's fighting is, as Dana says, which I agree with, it's one of the most primal things that people will watch it. Mm -hmm. So everybody watches it. Yeah, I, I love Rose Namajunas because everyone sits there and goes like, oh, she looks so hot when she had the long hair. And it's like, who really cares? Did you see what she did to to, to Zhang, to Wei Li? I mean, that was freaking unbelievable. Never in the wildest. Like, I sit there debating with people. You're right. We're just sitting there debating about which way this fight's going to go and all those stuff. And now I'm not sitting there being like, oh, you know, she looks amazing. Nobody cares about that. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, Paulo Costa, on the other hand, I will say that that's the sexiest man in the UFC. No <laughs> doubt about it. I will say that, and I'm okay with that. I'm married. I got a wife. Okay. All right. <laughs> am I wrong with that? No? How far off am I? His, his clothes are a little too loud for me. Well, listen, his style, he doesn't have style, that's for sure, but he's <laughs> he's got that Ricky Martin vibe. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, one of the, one of my favorite fighters and somebody else I've, I've, I've kind of got to build up a nice relationship with Shane Burgos. He's going in against Edson Barboza. That is a freaking fight. Like that is scary. Like I, this is one of these fights where I'm like, I love Shane. Every, when I saw him versus, versus Emmett, I was scared. This is just a scary in a different way. And I'm like, I, I worry, I worry for the guy, but this is, I mean, this is an amazing fight for Shane Burgos. Yeah, this is where he really gets to shine too. If 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 he is going to shine against Edson Barboza, because Edson Barboza is always like hit or miss, right? Like he he he's he's either on or he you know he's a, repeatedly had trouble with wrestlers. He does has great jujitsu, has a ridiculous stand up. He's so powerful. He's one of the best athletes in the UFC. He's just a tremendous athlete. I love him dearly as a person. He's a great person. So it's just one of those mashups where you're like, I almost wish they weren't matched. I know. Because I don't want to see Ed Edson fall further down 
but you also want to see Shane rise too, because you know, he's one of those young prospects that has this like incredible future that really is the full package in a lot of ways. So I'm like, ah, I, I kind of wish they weren't matched up, but I get it from where they are in the standing. Well, you have to give credit to, to Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby, because it's like, that's one thing that, again, like we talk about this boxing doesn't have that. Like they finally just made the Anthony Joshua, uh, uh fury fight. Like, I mean, come on, how many years are we talking about? Yep. Um, Heather Hardy has actually made her way to to MMA. Now she's back to boxing. She's just actually fighting tonight. Yeah. Um, but 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 she made her way to MMA, uh, MMA because that's where you get good fights and you get better matches and stuff like that. And you get better you know better money at times, I guess, for for females. But um, but yeah, this is I, I have to say like this is one of those fights on paper. This is, could steal the fight. This could steal the night. Like I, that's that's how good of a fight that is, in my opinion. I love both fighters. They're good. They're gonna be amazing. Um, and again, like you're right, it it sucks because, but that's every single card I see. There's always that one fight where it's like a legend, a guy who's just been there forever, who, in two fights, if he keeps on winning, could get another title fight, right? Or or just be out of the promotion, or wind up in the that midline gatekeeper hanging out for a long time, you know, one of the best to ever do it, but not to win it. Right. That's, that's what happens. I mean, um, who, Dan Hardy was just recently talking about this, about these these new, crazy, strong up-and-comers going against these sort of older legend-type guys and putting you in this weird position where you're going to na- make a name off somebody. And he was kind of complaining about it, but I got his point. And I was just kept thinking to myself, I know, but that's the fight game. Like That's kind of the, yeah. always the way it is. You don't really get to pick and choose. You almost wish there was like a legends division. Not saying that Edson belongs there. He doesn't. But we're just talking about this like kind of as a side note. I think Edson still belongs in the mix. But he is is more of the veteran here, which, you know, gives us this thought to kind of go off into this topic. And uh, but, yeah, you know, that that's how that happens. You you make your name off of somebody who's already an established name and. And here we are. <laughs> right. No, that's what I talk about. Like, you know, like Andre Olovsky doesn't seem to want to hang him up anytime soon. But and I'll always watch that guy fight. And I'm like, oh, we should just stop with like putting him against like young killers. Like, right. we don't need that right. anymore. I yeah. want to watch a fight, but it's not worth his, you know, his his brain damage, yeah. which is then, what happens. But it's like, who's to say when you can't go up against the young killers because somebody's going to make a name off of you. Right. If you're the matchmaker. But for us as fans, we're like, hey, can you just match these guys up a little bit more evenly <laughs> for their own safety because we love them? Like, don't give. Like, it could just happen to Cowboy. I know. You know? I know. So it's like, okay, if you're going to give him a retirement fight, that's why I almost loved that Diego Cowboy matchup because that made sense to us as in terms of where people were. Right. You know? So, Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it. Listen, it's 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 always going to happen. We're always going to be that. When when should somebody hang them up? When should they? You know, it's it's in every sport, it's in everything in life. Um, I, I'll tell you this as like a side note. I don't know if my boyfriend made this one up, but I I really appreciate the joke. He goes, "Fighters are like strippers. At a certain age, you don't want to see them anymore." <laughs> that is great. That and, is phenomenal. <laughs> and I, my thing is, I always feel like a fighter should stop fighting when we're uncomfortable watching him. There, well, there comes a point when someone starts fighting and you feel uncomfortable. I remember when Anderson fought Izzy, I was uncomfortable yeah. with the whole situation. I, I posted this video uh, of me like biting my nails off and it got like 20,000 views because I think people had the same sentiment. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, and I felt and I, I think a lot of us felt that Israel could have done a lot more, but he respected the opponent across from him and wanted just to him to 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 walk out with his head up. You know what I mean? Because I, I we know Izzy's that good. We know he could have destroyed yeah, him. But is he smart? And he said that because he studied Anderson so much, he always felt like he was looking at a trap being set for him. So he was tentative, too. Mm. So no, it, right. it, yeah, it, it makes sense, but it's interesting. Yeah. Um, the one thing is we talk about matchups and the main event is between Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira. Uh, Tony Ferguson yesterday was very much, uh, uh, I love the, it was a Dana White privilege, which yeah. is what he said, which is the, the best line I think I've ever heard all year. Uh, well, I'm going to stick that for a, stick with that for a while. You know, Tony is in such a ride right now. We've seen he's he's had a little couple issues recently. What type of Tony Ferguson are we going to see versus Dariush? I mean, I, Benil is freaking unbelievable. He's a killer. Tony really has to step up his game to be competitive versus him because I'm I'm nervous. This is another nervous fight for for me. Well, I will say this: I am not a professional MMA fighter. I am just somebody who studies. So this is my opinion. Sometimes you got to go back to basics. You got to go back to cleaning up your basics. Tony Ferguson sometimes gets a little like, all right, this is how I'm going to train. I'm going to, I'm going to do a basketball and then I'm going to jump rope. Then I'm going to jump on top of this ball. Then I'm going to play Parcheesi. Then I'm <laughs> like, just, just, you know, jujitsu, wrestling, defense, straight one, twos. Just like, keep it, keep it simple. Keep it clean. You know, so that's almost what I wish he did. I don't know if there's mental stuff, too. I know that he is going to be fighting very angry, defensive, chip on his shoulders, something to prove. And for some instances for fighters, that works magnificently, like Kamaro. Mm. But Kamaro will still keep them basics and keep it clean and win the fight. So for Tony, I don't know if he's, like, concerned about the flash or wants to be too creative. It's almost like you wish he would hone it in just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. And with Dariush is so kind of crispy clean with his basics and just his power and his just his wrestling is so if you like you took a snapshot of him at any moment, he has like perfect form. Right? It's like it's crazy. Incredible. So I don't know. It's I, I'm a little worried for Tony for for a few reasons because this is a tough fight, but if he does pull this one out, it puts him right right in the mix again too so it's interesting it's interesting to see where, where this goes and it's funny because i've always thought like tony gave uh khabib the biggest like scare as far as like a challenge as far as like you know that that fight's gonna go to the ground and tony's ready for it but now i see like it's not the same tony that it that scared me so i'm now scared for tony in a different way but uh yeah it, it is gonna be very fun it's gonna be very interesting michael chandler charles Oliveira. This is another crazy fight. You think about these two. I mean, Charles Oliveira, you think about what he's done to get to this point, to get a title fight. And it's like that lightweight division is just so stacked. It's it. It, it always has been. So the fact that you don't even really know about him as much compared to some other fighters, it's a shame. So the fact that he goes up against Michael Chandler, which is now his only second fight in the UFC, a lot of people say they got the Dana White privilege. But uh, what do you think? Do you think – I mean, we've seen uh, Chandler in, in Bellator – is he up for the challenge? Huh? No, no, I'm good. Um, thank you. Sorry about that. Um, 
it's it's one of those matchups where I just say to myself, this has to be good, right? It just has to be good. I I don't know if it if it. How do you look at it? Do you look at it as like Chandler doesn't deserve to be there? Because I think he does. I mean, I look at it as in the UFC world. I mean, I've seen. I I, I I'm torn because clearly <laughs> MMA world he definitely deserves it but in the yeah. ufc pecking order it's like you want to see poirier get another chance but clearly dustin said i don't care i want that connor trilogy and i'm okay with that so that made me feel a lot better about it yes yeah this, that's kind of how this one got put together you know it wasn't yeah. like skipped everybody and so that that kind of made me feel good about it too i just think in in terms stylistically there's so many variables right like Michael Chandler is a freight train. He he's I want his body studied by science. <laughs> Such an athlete. He's like got zero percent body fat. He's super explosive. He he's very fast. He fires off his strikes very very quickly. Oliveira stands kind of you know upright, but he can strike too. I mean we talk about his jujitsu, but he can strike too. People forgetting about that is clinch. So I don't know. Chandler usually like backs people up. He wrestles you. He makes you really uncomfortable. He's got great wrestling. It's it's just there's a lot of variables in this one. I don't even know if I can pick because anything can happen at any moment. But I think that's why we love this fight. Oh yeah, that's why I love MMA. That's why I love it because I sit there and go. People ask my opinion all the time. I do my best. Like the only one I really nailed recently was Dustin Poirier. I go, you guys are crazy. Those odds for Poirier. I would bet on him. I put a ton of money on Poirier over McGregor because, like, clearly you guys have no clue what's going on. Um, but for the most part, I always am just like, I, it's a toss-up. I could sell myself either way. This one, I mean, to watch what he did against Dan Hooker, to, the way he ran through that, to, through him, that shocked me. I did not think it was going to be that easy for him. So for that, I could say I could see him do the same thing to Charles Oliveira. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if the fight goes to the ground, it's like Oliveira is just so good with his ground game that it, that scares me. No matter how good Chandler is, Oliveira is just very impressive. So it's like you almost want that to be a stand-up fight. I uh, Yeah, I, I definitely do. I really do. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see either way. It, it's uh, I like Michael Chandler a lot. I like Oliveira a lot. I think it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where it's a win-win situation to just have the matchup. I mean – if it's a boring fight, I would be surprised. I would be sh- absolutely shocked. I really yeah. would. Yeah, no, that's not that's not gonna be the case. That's why I like the card a lot. You know, I mean, listen, it's never gonna have the same. Two sixty one was amazing. It, we it's just, we just needed that those moments. Uh, the Kamara Usman. I mean, literally, we've never seen Jorge Masvidal like that before. You know, and that was just a shock. Now, I, let me ask you a question. In your honest opinion, whether you talk to him, not who knows. I looked at Masvidal and I thought he didn't look healthy. I thought he was under the weather going into that fight. That could have led into, you know, potentially like, you know, him taking a strike and not just taking it as well as he normally has. What, how do you feel that that fight went? Do you feel that he was a hundred percent? I don't know if there, I don't know if there was a health issue. I mean, he didn't mention anything about it. He Never just, will. Never yeah, will. I, I don't, I don't know. I just also think that, so the technique itself, we learn it. We learn it a lot. Working a lot is, is like to tap that front hand, and like kind of pull it down or distract it, and then just come over with that hard straight, uh, you know, cross. 
it was just such a perfect shot that I'm not going to, I'm not going to say like, maybe he was sick and something was wrong with his chin. It literally landed in the most perfect way with the velocity and force. Mm. Kamal turned his hip over perfectly. It was like, it was textbook, right? So that's just what happened. He got caught in one of what, even, even, even uh, Masvidal was like, that was a beautiful technique. I know. And we've learned it. We've learned it. We worked on that a lot. I've, I've done it in conventional boxing. You, they teach you that in Wing Chun, you know, like trapping to knock the hand down and come over the top. It's just like one of those like really just beautiful techniques. And, you know, I, Camaro, <laughs> I love Camaro. And, you know, if you, if you talk to him one-on-one, if you ever talk to him one-on-one, he's such a great guy. And he, he is like, just someone who, oh, what would you say? Okay, fine. And then he goes and works on it and just gets better and better each and every time. So I don't know. That guy is definitely going to break even more records very soon. I mean, if you watch him from The Ultimate Fighter, I mean, that's where I, I first saw him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this guy's boring. He just takes you down, this, that, I think. But seriously, what he's evolved into, it's incredible. And his striking now is is on anybody's level. It, it, re- it really is. It's impressive what he's done. Uh, Phoenix, any fight in particular that you're really looking forward to in the near future? Anything that really sticks out to you? Anybody that you want to see? I love Dustin Poirier. Mm. When Dustin Poirier won, I felt like I was I was telling Dean Thomas this the other day. I felt like like the Jedi's had taken over again and there was balance to the force. Because look, Conor McGregor is not a bad person nor is he a good person, right? He's right. a complicated human being, which we all are. You talk to someone today who thinks you're awesome. You can talk to somebody from your past that thinks you're an asshole. We all have like good moments and we all have bad moments. And Connor is that he's had, he is one of the most magnificent and enigmatic characters I've ever seen in this sport. He's one of the most self-actualized people. How can I not respect Connor McGregor? But I don't like a lot of the stuff that he's pulled, mm-hmm. especially as someone from New York who fought to get this sport legal in New York. And then the whole thing with the boss situation, I was pissed about it. Yeah. And, and, and I, I was bitter about what he pulled and then punching the old guy. And I was like, damn, you know, but he's also done some great things. He's also encouraged a lot of people. He said something wonderful to Carissa Shields recently, like the, the, the money that he's made inside and outside the octagon, it's hard not to respect him. You saw Forbes, right? Yes. Highest yeah. paid athlete. It's crazy. Right. Not highest paid, but, but not just like paid in the sports, really more of what he's done outside. Right. No, he made, he 22 million. He made it fighting you. 158 came from whatever his proper 12. So, so this is like something people should study and respect him for because how many athletes go and they're on 30 for 30 after that. Right. So even though I'm, I'm like about to, to kind of poo poo on Connor, <laughs> I also want to acknowledge how much I respect him and the things that he's done. But in the fight business or the fight world, or as a martial artist, seeing Dustin Poirier beat Conor McGregor felt like here's one for the good guys. Like the good guys won, the martial artists won. Because I've come to terms with the difference between martial arts and fighting because I come from a martial arts background and understanding that they're different and having to deal with the WWE like theatrics sometimes and just being like, shut up, Phoenix. It's not martial arts. This is fighting. Deal with it. Right. Which right. I've come to terms with at times. But then you get Dustin Poirier and you get him winning and winning so successfully the way he did. It feels like a win for the good guys. Right. Way, right. 
Uh, yeah. So I want to see number three and I'm sweating it and I'm stressed because he's waking the dragon by pissing Connor off. So now you got pissed off Connor, which is really good Connor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I want to see it, but I'm like, oh, come on, please. Someone, someone take care of Dustin. Make please. sure it's okay. Well, no, it's funny you say that because I, I always, I have this conversation with so many people. It's like when there's a rematch, you oh like I talked to so many people like the Camaro Jorge Masvidal rematch was not a very good rematch for Masvidal. I didn't think he was going to win it. I didn't think he was going to get knocked out. But I just didn't think he was going to win. I think it was a bad matchup for him. But for the most part, you give these guys an opportunity to come back. They do well, like Connor versus Nate. Like he was yes. not going to lose that fight. He figured out a way to to win. Could he have done the same thing as Habib? Uh, I don't know about that, but I would have I would have given Connor a better showing. Yes. potentially and yes. that's what you're looking for so the fact is yes you're right he's waking the beast there that's the boy is with conor mcgregor that that is definitely scary that is something it that is. uh this conor's fight iq is up there yes it's it's like it's up there i mean honestly as much as i he makes me mad i would i would put my stuff aside for a second and want to watch a fight with him because i want to see what conor sees when he watches a fight because his iq is that good there's a yeah. few. There's a couple fighters that I would just want to sit down with them, and and see what they see. Like um, Daniel Cormier has detail, yeah, which is like phenomenal on ESPN. I would love to sit and watch a fight with John Jones. I would love to watch a fight with Valentina Shevchenko because I think she's a damn genius. Mm -hmm. And I would really like to listen to Connor, you know, talk about fighting and and see what he sees. Just any old fight and watch him break it down because I just think he is. An unbelievable fight IQ, Dustin as well. Yeah. And Dustin has a sick team too. His his strength and conditioning coach is one of the most talented people I've ever seen. Who uh, is that? Is that uh Bill Daru? Daru, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh Anderson Silva is another guy that I like to watch a fight with. I would yeah. I he's that that was my favorite fighter growing up. Like that's who well, Andre Olofsky was my uh, first original love, and then Anderson Silva watching him, I'm just like guy's amazing when i when i watched because i liked i was a big rich franklin fan so when i saw him you know destroy him i was like who is this maniac who is this machine it was just it's incredible but you talked about valentina shevchenko and i think she is the best female in the in the sport and that's saying something because amanda nunez is the goat yeah. give me if that fight happens again which i'm not sure if it will which you probably have 135 if it does Give me does does Valentina Shevchenko? She the only person that could stop Amanda Nunes. Exactly. Such a hard question. Exactly. That's what I'm here for. Come on, let's go. It's because we've seen this is the thing, we've seen Amanda run over people. Mm. We've seen Valentina technically demolish people. There's the difference, right? Mm -hmm. So we've seen like Amanda Nunes with a sledgehammer. And Valentina Shevchenko with like Lego pieces that eventually like knock you out. You yeah. know? So the thing is, we've just seen Valentina do prettier things. It's prettier. It's a prettier fight to watch when she fights. But Amanda is a terrifying fight to watch. I doubted Amanda Nunes once. I doubted her once. And I was sadly. Which fight? Cyborg. Right. Right. Yeah. I, duh. I, only time I've ever doubted her. And I was like, 
I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. That was a mistake. <laughs> so it's that was very, crazy. Yeah. That was crazy. That was a crazy finish. Yeah. So it's a very difficult. I don't know if it's just Amanda is that strong or that threatening and Valentina only feels threatened by her and it doesn't feel threatened by literally anyone else. And if that changes the way she has to approach that fight, it's very interesting. Do you think though that like Amanda beat her that second fight? Like I, I wouldn't say that like Valentina lost either fight. She didn't lose either fight. I scorecards stink. I hate judging. I hate all that stuff. So I, I, but I couldn't sit there and say, Oh, fair and square. Amanda Nunes won that fight because I don't think Valentina lost it. I think I think I don't remember because I haven't watched it in so long. But I remember feeling like Amanda won. But I don't. I never felt that Valentina was demolished, which right. is just again just showing you how damn good that she is. It's a lot of respect on both sides. For sure, for sure. Like it, it, it probably would be Amanda's retirement fight. Right. Like to go out with a bang on the biggest threat that she's ever had, you know, besides like her losses in her earlier part of her career, because um, Kat Zingano still loves to bring that up. But, uh, you know, it, it's just it's interesting to see that. And I know they want to bring Kayla Harrison or may or may not bring Kayla Harrison over. I just I don't think that Kayla's ready yet. I think she's a threat, but I feel like that she you know she does need more time, which is not an insult. That that girl's a beast. But um so we'll see it's amanda still has another fight coming up i i don't see it being too hard for her i know so we'll we'll just see what happens that's the hardest part about that's the only negative right now in these divisions like there's no featherweight division bantamweight division there's really no contender for i mean i know we're gonna watch julia pena fight her but i mean is that really a contender um and same thing same thing with shevchenko's got more challenges i i will say shevchenko has a much deeper division the straw weight is really good um but but i mean that's the that's the issue is that you have the best fighter and then you just can't match anybody up with them yep yeah it just it just seems like you know pena is talented but it, i don't think i i don't you know i hey i've been wrong before not often but I've been <laughs> wrong before. i'm wrong all the time just ask my wife um, <laughs> Phoenix, thank you so much for the time. Is there anything that you personally would like to plug? Anything you want to promote? Um, you know, listen, I'm freelance right now. So if you guys are looking for an MMA host or a commentator, I am around. I would love to take some meetings. I also am doing a ton of stuff on fitness platforms. So you can work out with me on the TRX platform, soon the Everlast platform and things like that. And then, of course, just follow me on social media. I've always got some fun stuff to show you and to say. Awesome. Phoenix, well, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. And enjoy the fights. And uh, and we'll definitely talk soon, okay? We'll love that. Yeah, see you later. Uh, thanks again to Phoenix for a great time. Uh, love talking to her. That was that was fun. I always have fun with the, with the guests, and I, I hope they do too. Um, they, sometimes they say they do, so that's always a good thing. Listen, again, this Sunday, I will be on 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. on WFAN. Check me out. Follow me. We'll, we will definitely hit UFC 262 at some point in time. Also going to talk other things too. Mets, Yankees, Knicks, Nets, maybe some football if we get into it. You know, there's going to be some hockey going on too. The Islanders are playing on on Saturday. So there are things to get to, um, but MMA is definitely going to be hit at least once. So follow me again at the Hoff WFAN, at the Five Fan WFAN. And then at the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman on every other platform that you can imagine, WFN.com and the Odyssey app. 
I will see you guys next week with more of the Fight Fan. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.